You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight, you never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please. Get off this planet while you still have a choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. We are back. We survived Hulanta, and we had a blast. And, you know, it was kind of like bittersweet being the last Hulanta, but we had a killer panel, and you guys heard that in our last episode. But we're back all together, all three of us, and we are here to review the second Doctor story featuring the Cybermen. That's right, folks. We are looking at the half-finished, and I do mean half-finished, moon base. So it's going to be interesting to talk about. We And, of course, I mentioned my co-host for this week. Let's say hey first to Ms. Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It was, it, it was really sorry. weird. I know. It was weird, actually, not having you on the show and at the panel last time. Yeah, I was really sorry to miss it, especially since it's the last two Atlanta. Well, that and also was weird because we had Hartshorn back with us. And it's always great having Hartshorn with us. But, you know, I, a couple of times it felt like calling her Mary and it just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. Just see what would happen. No, I didn't want my head to explode right there because of her. <laughs> so, but we also have Mr. Mike Gordon with us. Howdy. How are you this week, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Yep. So no con cred from Hulanta, huh? No, no con cred. Uh, yeah, I avoided it that time. I don't know how, but um, yeah, I just didn't let anybody touch me. That makes so or much more sense. Or breathe on me or anything. I just was in a bubble the entire weekend. That makes so much more sense. You know, it's ironic, too, because th- at this Hulanta, I probably was at longer than any Hulanta in a wa- quite some time. Yeah, you were, the, you were there. You're usually you were there for two whole days. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, and the whole days, not just like partial days. Because uh, yeah, the last few years, um, it's sort of overlapped with Free Comic Book Day, and it did this year too. But I decided to uh, to go to Hulanta for the full weekend instead of uh, participate in Free Comic Day this year because it was the last one. Mm, totally makes sense. Definitely makes sense. And you know, Alan and his crew have always put on a great show and they did you know once again do it and thank you for including us in your family thank you for you know letting earth station who grow with you and hopefully we'll sit at the same table for the same times and you know it just be great to be all together once again you never know what can happen but good news speaking of cons our friends at Con Casterburris have already announced next year's show. They are coming back. Woohoo! Woohoo! So we are going back to Huntsville. It's already been confirmed that we are invited back. Yay! So I'm very excited to announce that next year into 2020, Con Casterburris will be back at the Huntsville Holiday Inn. And I think it's called Research Park. And it basically is um, basically just north of the NASA facility they have there. But it's June 6th and 7th, 2020. And you can find information at concasterburris.com. And Bonnie and Matthew and the rest of the folks there, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are huge fans. And we're, you know, we this will be our fifth appearance at Concasterburris next year. So. Hopefully, I won't mess up anybody's names. That's all I have to say. So, we'll see. 
And, you know, definitely, you know, please, if you're in the Huntsville area, if you're in Atlanta, this is the closest Doctor Who con now, other than, you know, I don't really count Dragon Con as a Doctor Who convention. So, you know, this is the closest Doctor Who con to Atlanta. It's only two and a half hours away. So definitely you check it out. And, you know, Concast Reverse has always done great, and I see great things coming from them in the future. So I'm glad they rose up. They didn't just fold, and, you know, I'm glad to see that they're going to be back with the same crew, same people, and it'll be interesting as they announce guests. We will announce it here on the show. That's so great. I'm glad they're coming back. There's something really nice about the smaller cons. It's just a whole different vibe. Mm-hmm. It's more personal. Yes, it's much more personal. People are easier to talk to. It's, I highly recommend going. Well, that's the one thing we loved about Hulanta this last time when we went. We almost the whole time we sat at our table, we had people coming up to us and talking to us or just pulling up a chair and sitting with us for a while and just full conversations and talking about Doctor Who, talking about geek stuff. It was just awesome. And, you know, we even had Kirby joining us. You know, he was impossible to get rid of the whole weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. No, Kirby's great. Kirby's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and we because we, we had Kirby at our table most of the time. We had Judy at our table, so we had you know really you know friends of the show and family. I guess you know Judy is family, so <laughs> you know. So we definitely had a great time, and you know, definitely that's the great thing about small cons. You have the chances to do that because Dragon Con is always so big. It's hard to find a corner to sit at you know, and try to just have a conversation unless you're sitting at a bar or sitting, you know, somewhere where watching cosplayers or, you know, something like that. It's just almost impossible to have small little conversations like that. Yeah. But something like Con K is perfect for that. I mean, you really get to know people there. That's what I loved about it. So Mm -hmm. check it out. Exactly. Definitely worth checking out. And like I said, June 6th and 7th, 2020. And it's com, And that's so definitely looking forward to that. Of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write at ESWpodcast at gmail.com. I think we're going to come up with a new email address for this because, you know, I want people to be able to write us like through the ESO network stuff. So let's say bye-bye to the Gmail account after this episode and we'll work on a new email address. So we'll figure out what we want to be. And so I've been, what, how many years have I been trying to find out what I want to be? So (laughs) is that ever going to (laughs) happen? No, 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 no. So it should be a lot of fun, but we definitely want to hear from you guys at home. You know, were you guys at Hulanta? Did you guys listen to the panel? Because we got a lot of, you know, good feedback. You know, we didn't get anyone writing us, but a lot of people, you know, responded to the different posts we did on Facebook and stuff telling us who their first doctor was and why they stayed with it. So it was actually a really good idea to do. And we got to keep on doing these kind of discussions. I think we get a lot of good input and stuff from you guys at home. And we'll be doing that next week. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's get started with this week's rants and raves, or Doctor Who news, and there is Doctor Who news finally, folks. Yes, that's why I didn't know what to call this segment, because I had to blow the dust off this whole segment. (laughs) Because literally, there really hasn't been any news for almost five months already. Can you believe that? Now we have like one line of news. (laughs) Exactly, but we got news, and yes, folks, we got our first image from the new season of Doctor Who. And I don't know if you want to call him a villain or a foe or ally, but the Jadoon are back. And we got a picture of, you know, the 13th Doctor facing off against the Jadoon. I was shocked when I saw the image. Really? Why? Yeah, because there was no Graham in it. I coordinated that that one's the line of the night. Now, now we know the plot of the story. He gets turned into a jadoon. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait, wait this can't be uh, Doctor <laughs> Who's shot because Graham's not in it. That totally makes sense. You know, hey, you know, maybe they are trying to do a new leaf. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if only. But yeah, so we'll have to see. But yeah, it was awesome to see that maybe now they are acknowledging past Doctor Who stuff. They started really well with the New Year's special with the Daleks. So hopefully it'll continue into the new series. Yeah, this is this is good. I hope it goes well. Exactly. And you know, as long as it, you know, the doctor doesn't find herself in a hospital on the moon again. <laughs> so I think it. we have some good stuff. The, the Jadun are back. Does that mean the Shadow Proclamation is back? Uh, we can only, yeah, we don't know. I, I think, I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, I think when they were introduced, I think there a lot of people thought there was potential there. And um, I, I want to say we saw them in a small dose later on but i can't quite place it so the episode when the daleks stole the earth and the doctor went to the shadow proclamation to try to get them to help okay okay you you saw the jadoon in that episode gotcha because yeah i was thinking that uh, we had seen them just in like briefly but um certainly they are they are worthy of uh further exploration so i'm happy for that we don't know much about them at all, so it'd be really nice to kind of hear a little of their backstory. No, it's interesting because they've done a few different stories through the Doctor Who comics with the Jadoon. So it wasn't anything more than just, you know, they, they were characters in the story. Not like it wasn't anything, this is the origin of the Jadoon or what planet they came from or how did they get that armor, you know, type thing. And so how did they become the the bodyguards for the Shadow Proclamation? No, it was just a story with them. So but the comics are actually really good for that kind of thing. And actually, Mikey, you've been reading some of the comics, haven't you? I have. Very good segue, sir. Excellent. Um, yeah, I... Um, I've been practicing. <laughs> I, I have. Uh, now, I, you know, I think it got to the point where there was just getting to be too many Doctor Who comics, and I kind of tapped out for a while. Uh, so, um, I, and I've talked about some of the other ones that I've read uh, before on the show, like the fourth Doctor hardcover collection uh, I really enjoyed, as I did the third Doctor one. And uh, and currently, uh, they are the only ones that are coming out now are the 13th Doctor. Uh, that's coming out pretty much monthly still. And I think they just wrapped up a seventh doctor adventure. I think that might be collected as well. Um, so I picked up, um, so recently I picked up the first volume of the 12th doctor, uh, in hardcover called a terror former. And I also picked up the first volume of the 13th doctor. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'm, there are like five volume, five or six volumes of the, uh, the, the, uh, 12th doctor already. So I oh, thought wow. I'd start with, I'd start with the first one. Now, if I remember correctly, when these first came out, didn't we, did we read the first issues of the first or was there a preview of the, the, the one that had like, cause it, it seems like 10, 11 and 12, I remembered reading the first chapters of, or the first issues of. Yeah, didn't they come out with previews? They oh yeah, out a bunch of them. So it was like a, it was like a free comic day thing or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so that was my only, uh, and I think if I remember correctly, we liked the twelfth Doctor one, um, or at least I did anyway. So um, I thought it was pretty good. The the writing's decent, um, and it feels it feels very classic Who. Um, but it, it, that's not a bad thing. Uh, the art is a little inconsistent. You can kind of tell they don't really have, um, they don't, they don't, don't really get, uh, Peter Capaldi's doctor yet, which I guess is fair because when the time this came out, I'd think that was his first season as well. So maybe he hadn't really got, you know, got it down as well. So, um, yeah, there's just times where he just looks like a generic old man. Yeah. I, actually took it a step further. I did collect the Doctor Who comics and I was getting all of them mm. for a while. Uh, but about a year and a half ago, I decided that's it. I can't afford to do this anymore. And I was, I have a drawer full of comics still to read. And <laughs> in there is still issues of the ninth doctor, the 10th doctor, the 11th doctor and the 12th doctor. 
And, but then also they were doing at the time, they did a fourth doctor storyline. Yes. They did a seventh doctor storyline with Ace and the doc, the doctor. Yes. But, but they did a fantastic. And Mikey, if you can find this in trade, I would recommend there's a third doctor storyline. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned that I saw, I read that and I like that one a lot. The one by Paul Carnell mm-hmm. was yeah. an awesome, awesome story. Yeah. Uh, that was actually out of all of the Titan series. I think that's been my favorite. Yeah, I really like the fourth and the third Doctor ones. So so far, made my favorites. Now the 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 twelfth Doctor one I read, the first volume is not bad, um, and Clara is actually pretty cool in it. Um, so I know, right? So I guess it's not true to it's not true to the show. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, and, but like I said, the only thing that really bugged me throughout the the reading of it was that, like I said, it just seemed like the um, they hadn't really got down Peter Capaldi. And I guess looking at him, he is kind of difficult to, to capture uh, in a way. But anyway, um, so perhaps that gets better because, like I said, I think they're up to um, volume five of uh, The Twelfth Doctor already, or I think maybe that was the last one, five or six. Uh, the same thing with 10 and 11. I think they, they went to like five or six of them and then they kind of stopped. They have multi-doctor ones. Uh, like I think two or three of those where uh, it has a bunch of them together. So, um, but anyway, um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend picking this up. I mean, if it, it was great, uh, I got the hardcover. Uh, this is another thing that I noticed that was interesting is that for years, or for the last few years, since they've been issuing these, uh, when they collect them first, they put them in, in hardcover first. And then a few months later, or a year later, whatever, they, they release the softcover version, which is a little cheaper. Um, but I like, I like the hardcovers. So I was really happy. I've been getting them. When I get them, I get them in hardcover. Well, that stops this year. <laughs> like, they're not releasing any of the uh, Doctor Who collections in hardcover anymore. So when I got the 13th doctor trade, it was just soft cover. There's not a hardcover version of it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So the, um, the 13th doctor was, uh, that trade is pretty good. Actually, I would say it was better than the, uh, the, the 12th doctor one I read. Um, then the 12th doctor one I, I read, it was two stories. Uh, like one was like maybe three or four issues and the other was, two or three issues. Um, so they, yeah, it's, it collects one through five. So I think one was like two. Yeah. One was three issues and one was two issues. So the two separate adventures, the one um, for uh, Dr. 13 is just one big adventure. It's also uh, issues one through four. And I was kind of bummed because they didn't have uh, the zero issue included here. Uh, because there was a Doctor Who Zero issue, which is kind of hard to get. And I thought this was going to be included in that, but it's not. And to be honest, I don't know where you get that. I think you just have to get it, because I don't think it's collected in anything. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of annoying. But anyway, uh, you don't have to obviously have it. To I mean, the the, the way that it starts um, uh, is, is pretty... Um, it is, it's pretty much just like a, a normal Doctor Who adventure. Um, you know, uh, Graham doesn't appear until like page three. So, you know, um, <laughs> and he doesn't take over the book. So, so they, uh, they, they, they do a pretty good job at distributing the story with the companions. Uh, but you can still kind of tell that it's early yet and they don't know. I mean, the, the comics can't do a lot in depth with the characters. No, of course. They're pretty much just at face value. So they actually made Yaz and Ryan interesting. Well, I mean, they're just kind of there. I mean, like like I said, they're they're there. They're they don't feel like they're they don't feel like that wasn't them. But it also doesn't add much to their characters because I don't think these can do that. So I wouldn't expect for any more like you know, uh, big character moments with those two. Uh, but. Um, I think the star of the book, and of course it should be, is the 13th Doctor. And the the artist on this one does a really good job. Uh, Rachel Scott, I believe, is the... uh, Oh, she's fantastic, yeah. Rachel Stott. Stott, S-T-O-T. Stott, yes, Stott. Yeah. Um, She's pretty good. Uh, She's got the the likenesses, but it's not like... 
You know, I mean, it still feels like it's her style and it's pretty well done. Um, I definitely recommend this. Um, I think it's better than some of the episodes that we got. That's Um, awesome. I think since it's one story, I think, you know, it's, and it's four over four issues. I think it kind of suffers from a little bit of padding, maybe one issue of padding, but I mean, that's okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I recommend it. And what's also cool too, is that when the first issue, uh, of Doctor Who, the 13th Doctor was released, they had like a ton of covers, uh, special covers for that first issue done by a variety of different artists and they collect them all here. So you have amazing artists. You even have a Dr. Puppet cover yep. of the 13th wow. doctor that is in here. So uh, the, that's, it's a great showcase of uh, just a lot of different artist interpretations of the 13th doctor, which is pretty awesome to have as well. So I'd recommend it. The only thing that kind of sucked is that it wasn't hardcover. <laughs> I don't know why they stopped. I guess it was too expensive for them to uh, keep doing hardcovers. So I guess uh, now my collection of Dr. Who books will be all in softcover uh, from here on out. So, uh, but based on these two that I read, um, I want, I definitely want to read more. I think they're, they're, they're valid. I think they're good. Um, I, I took a bit of a break for them, but now that I've read these, I'm, I'm kind of interested to, to read more. So. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. It's, you know, there's some great stuff out there. I just wish I had more time and truthfully interest to do it, but I will possibly pick up the 13th doctor stuff on your recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, if you look around, like I, I was just looking around at uh, Amazon the other day and checking out some of the other volumes and even the hard covers, you can get it like under $10. Oh, well, that's not bad. No, so not bad. yeah, you can get some of them around like nine something or 11 something or whatever, just around there. So, um, you know, it's not a bad deal, not a bad deal at all. Um, and uh, so if you're, if you're jonesing for more doctor who, this year, which we all are, uh, some new who, especially featuring the 13th doctor, I'd say, check out the, the comic. That's all you're going to get. Oh yeah. <laughs> are there, are, cause yeah, there's not books with her yet, right? Not yet. Okay. G- give it time. Give it time. Yeah. And they'll eventually be big finish too. I'm sure. Yeah. But that'll probably be after her runs over. Yes. So yeah, that doesn't help you like, you know, in the meantime, in between seasons. No, exactly. So I got one little thing to bring up real quick. Um, as many of you out there who follow me up on Instagram and also on Facebook know that Judy and I ex- were out exploring the Northeast the last week or two, and we had a blast. We had a great time, and we were in upstate New York, and we went to this really amazing town. It's called Beacon, New York. It's about 70, 75 miles north of Manhattan. And we were just wandering through the town and, you know, we're walking through, walking along the storefronts and everything. And Judy pointed out, hey, look, it looks like they have a weeping angel in the front of that that place. And, and I walked up to it and I looked at it and I said, don't blink, whatever you do, just jokingly. And then Judy said, Mike, look at the door and the door was a screen door, but it was shaped in the shape of the TARDIS door. And I looked at the name of this storefront we were at, and it was a restaurant called the Pandorica. And it is a Doctor Who themed restaurant wow. in this town that I just happened upon. And it was amazing. And Everything in the store is Doctor Who themed. The menu is Doctor Who themed. I think it's just, there's so much cool stuff to talk about in this place uh, that I think we're going to actually have the owner of the restaurant on the show in the next couple of weeks. It was, you know, friends of the show who uh, have been on the podcast many times, like Angela Pritchett and a few other folks, the folks from the Traveling TARDIS, the Dr. Puppet people, they've all been there. They knew about it, and they didn't tell me. <laughs> and it, this place is just, it's just awesome. I, I'll have pictures of the restaurant and the different things for it up in the ESW uh, Facebook group. 
So you'll be able to definitely check it out and also add some pictures up on Twitter to our Twitter account too. So you'll be able to see in both places and definitely worth, this is worth the drive. It's about, you know, it took a little bit over an hour and a half or so to get, drive up there from New York city, but it was definitely an, it's just awesome. And they, it was just, I couldn't say enough about this place. And this woman was, we sat there and chatted with her for like 45 minutes. And, you know, it was just, it was cool. They had some of the guests from Hulanta, actually. Right after they left Hulanta, they came up to the restaurant. Wow. And so it was actually, it's pretty cool. And, you know, they have, you know, people autograph stuff on, on the walls in the place. The hallway to the bathroom was, is the crack in the wall from the 11th Doctor era. And the TARDIS is, the bathroom door is the TARDIS door. And you go in and it's the console room of the TARDIS from that era. It was, it's just awesome. And then when you close the door, you have to look at, at if you look at the back of the door, it has the marks for how many of the uh, wonderful, um, what are those things called? I can't remember their names. <laughs> can't quite remember. Exactly. The silence, of course I remembered. So, but yeah, it was pretty cool to um, just, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. And if you ever get a chance, and like I said, it's up in Beacon, New York, and that's, you know, up, up not as far up as Poughkeepsie or such, but it's like um, not that far from Danbury, Connecticut. And, you know, it's up in that area of New York State in the Hudson Valley. It's right on Main Street. You can't miss it. And like I said, it's just called the Pandorica. You could look it up. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment with... The Moon Base. This is Mandy from Caster Quest, and we're inviting you to join us as we explore Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. You can find Caster Quest at casterquest.com, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, or at our podcast network. At ESOPodcast.com. Research and Chandrian. Ambrose Jack is dumb, loading Dennis on a date. Master Kilvin, old ass man, a selling lamps to folks in Emre, Will and Sim and Deox Welcome back. Now we are going back to February 11th, 1967, and we are talking about the moon base. It's going to be interesting to do this one because this one was half missing and we get some of the wonderful animation back to uh, help fill in the spots and everything. So it was one of those that they, it was thought could be completely gone and they actually found two of the episodes and they were able to restore from the audio and I, I enjoyed it. It was a typical second doctor era base under siege type story. And this is only the second appearance of the Cybermen. So you have companions of Ben and Polly and Jamie, even though Jamie was laying around for what, two and a half episodes. Yeah, I'm not just, it's like, Two and a half companions because Jamie's just sleeping through half of it. Mm, right. exactly. Well, they, they, it's funny because in the in the bonus stuff they explain why uh, because this is only his second uh, story, um, and uh, he was kind of brought on last minute, so the scriptwriters didn't know what to do with him. They had to suddenly insert him in all these stories, yeah, so that's, that's why the first few stories that he's in he doesn't really do a lot because. Right, because this this storyline was right between the underwater menace and the what was it, the Marcra Terror, which the we'll, Terror, right? yeah, we'll be reviewing later this year. Yep, and uh, which I reviewed at Hulenta last weekend. Ooh. But uh, yeah, so um, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing that one again. But yeah, so yeah, you're right. So this one um, is uh, right there. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's why he's he's got nothing to do because they when this was being written and, done and produced, he hadn't been 
He hadn't been cast yet. Well, that makes sense. Cause or he hadn't joined the, the crew yet. Because Ben and Polly were everywhere in this one. Oh, yeah. Yes. And actually, it was one I could actually stomach Polly in, too. So, well, Polly wasn't bad. Um, was but Polly I th- ben was the annoying one. <laughs> I think I've finally decided that, you know, I, I, I must admit, I think prior to this, I've just not cared for Ben and Polly, period. Um, and I put probably most of that on Polly. But with the moon face, I'm kind of like, I just kind of decided, I'm like, you know what? Ben's the guy I really don't like more than... Yeah, ben, Ben's a dick. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He's just annoying. Yeah, he doesn't really add anything. Like for a guy who's supposed to be the you know the action guy, um, it's he doesn't really do much action. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't do much of anything except rag on Polly. That's and, true. I mean, yeah, and I and I'm never quite sure are they supposed to be like a couple because they don't act like it at all. I have a feeling uh, yeah. that they were that was kind of supposed to be there, but it did not work because they have no chemistry. <laughs> no, they don't have any chemistry at all. And Annika Wills is not a bad, you know, actress. And no, so she just had a thankless character. Well, exactly what most female companions at that time were. Yeah, I mean, this is typical sexist sixties. <laughs> I mean, sent, she gets sent out for coffee. Yes, yes, the second doctor. Oh, Polly, go. Go, go get some coffee. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is that. So, yeah. And it was, it was interesting, it, but I loved the Cybermen in this. I thought they were spooky. I thought they were good. And it was neat to see that they've had already started evolving them from their very first appearance. Yeah. I like, I like the Cybermen in this too, except, except, I like the Cybermen themselves, but but the plot is ridiculous because oh, of course it the is convoluted plan that the Cybermen come up with. I mean, really, all they have to do is barge in there, aim their guns, and <laughs> say, "Do what we want," you know, instead of this whole long convoluted thing about sneaking in and and poisoning the sugar, right, poisoning it, the shit, poisoning the sugar, and just this whole ridiculous drawn out thing when i because i i have never seen this one before and i don't even think i've read if i did the target book years and years and years ago so i didn't really remember the story all that much and when i saw that the folks had started being poisoned and stuff i thought it was cybermats doing it well that would have been interesting but because nope. the Cybermats actually, after I did some research, don't appear till the next appearance in Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah, I remember that from Tomb of the Cybermen. That that's a really good episode, by the way, everybody. You know, it's it's funny because the we're talking about the Cybermen, and and I uh, they get an upgrade here from the first time that we see them, which um, you know, um, and which normally I probably would have been like, I like these better, right? But I actually I think thanks to the last story with the 12th doctor where they brought back the original Cybermen and they looked really creepy. Now I, when I look at these, I'm kind of like, I'm not as creeped out as I was. Um, and I couldn't really make out what they were saying. Like I, no, I was not like, at all. Yeah, was that, like, that was difficult <laughs> that, I mean, I don't mind them doing the computer speech, but it was almost illegible. You just could not, what they were saying and a lot of times if that happens i'm kind of like well let me put on the closed captioning but to be honest with this story i didn't even care like i was like it doesn't really matter what they're saying because like you said mary it makes no sense what they're doing so uh so yeah i i just was uh, that was unfortunate it's look um uh it's not a great story um it might be my least favorite second doctor story actually really yeah, um, because he doesn't really do anything in this. Like, like he, there's no doctor moment in this. Uh, there's not he, and he seems he seems like not himself. Almost there's a there's an element to him that just seems to be missing from uh, Patrick's performance here. Um, he's not as playful. Maybe this is pretty early in his run, isn't it? 
Um, this is the end of his first, towards the end of his first season. But, you know, he's, like, we just saw him, like, we've seen Underwater Menace, which happens right before this. And I've seen Macroterra, which happens right after this. And granted, that's all animated, so I'm only guessing what his, you know, his facial expressions were in that one. But, but Underwater Menace, he's great in it. Like, you know, that's got one of my favorite Doctor, uh, second Doctor moments where he's like, you know, <laughs> where he, he goes, why do you want to blow up the world? Like, he just says, like, he's so, you know, kind of funny with that. In this one, he just kind of, there's one, one scene where uh, he, he starts talking about the evil that he senses on the base or whatever. And I'm like, ooh, that's maybe why he's so serious that he, like, think, like, he knows it's the Cybermen before we do. And yet, it, that's not true. He doesn't. Um, and, uh, and then also, I think it's hindered because two of the episodes are brought to us through animation. And as, decent as they are they just don't give us patrick's performance no yeah and it's jarring because it's it's animation live animation live and so it keeps getting it gets cut up oh yeah it does and that's the one thing with patrick was always his facial expressions and you know his you know look at the look on his face he wasn't always they made him look very serious in this episode in the animated yeah. parts well he is in i mean and also you're right this may be due to the animation but it does seem like he's more in the background in this one and ben and polly are more in the foreground and doing more yeah apparently uh, also in the behind the scenes they said that i believe i think it was the director uh morris berry was really strict and didn't allow Patrick to do his normal. Like usually he's a cut up on set. He like, he, he fools around and, you know, but this guy was really efficient as a director, very serious. And he, he wasn't having any of it. So, um, and maybe that's why Patrick didn't feel like, like what I'm used to with the second doctor. Um, but certainly I would have, I, I wouldn't wouldn't have minded a more serious second Doctor story if the story was was like worthy of it, and this one isn't. No, you really. I mean, you pretty much have to hand wave away everything in this one. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, none of it. I'm not saying that it wasn't that I didn't enjoy watching at least most of it. There were parts of it that dragged, but the but the plot was just all over the place. It, well, there wasn't even really a plot. I'm not sure. It was just a series of things that happened that didn't really make sense until they got to the end. Exactly. And that's part of the thing. It was just like, what was the Cyberman's plan? Were they trying to take over the base? Were they trying to conquer earth? Were they, you know, you didn't really know until almost the end of the third episode and they wanted to, you know, kill all living things on Earth. So I guess to, you know, take it over or whatever. Well, they, that was actually an interesting point, but they didn't really, they didn't follow up on it. They wanted to kill everyone on Earth because they wanted to kill things that were dangerous. And to them, everyone on Earth was dangerous. Right. Um, now, that's kind of an interesting theme, but they didn't go anywhere with it. Right. And and I did think it was interesting. I mean, they did. This is they did recognize the doctor as a threat. They did, but I don't know how they would have recognized him because <laughs> he was William Hartnell, uh, you know, the old man when they met him last time. Well, you know, wibbly wobbly timey one. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I also love that that the French guy wore a scarf. Because, you know, that's how you tell French people. They all wear scarves. Well, they, you notice they were all wearing flags on their shirt. Yes, yeah. they all had flags on their shirt. It was like, what? <laughs> it's so, International I mean, Moon Station. Did you, did you recognize that actor? No. You guys, you might, not, you guys might not have. But um, uh, I, I was like, I was like oh, surely it can't be. But I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Um, uh Andre Moran, I think is his name. Uh, I might be mispronouncing that. Um, but uh, he played um, Sergeant Chevalier in the Pink Panther. All, he's in all the Pink Panther movies. Oh, oh yeah. You're right. <laughs> yes. oh, I, I knew he looked familiar. I could not figure out from where, though. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. 
And I was like, it just happens that, you know, like he plays the, like, like the, the Frenchman who is, you know, like he's old, he's uber French. And I'm like, yeah, well, he's in the, pink yeah, well, he plays a Frenchman he there. found his niche. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so That's hilarious. Uh, I did not get that at all. Yep. And uh, another little tidbit, and this I learned online. Uh, this is actually the debut of uh, John Levine. Uh, he, he's the Cyberman in this. Uh, Benton. Oh. Oh, he's in. Oh, okay. He's one of the Cybermen. Yeah. He played, um, he played uh, a Cyberman in this one. And then in Web of Fear, he was a Yeti. Uh, and then he plays Benton uh, later on. And of course, he keeps have to moving get... up in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I was kind of surprised they didn't talk to him in the bonus features because usually he's all over those. Um, but uh, uh, they talked to another person who was uh, in the cyber suits uh, for the bonus. Um, um, one thing I have to say about this is that I was extremely disappointed that this was not available to me through BritBox. Uh, oh, I, I was too. My my primary reason for having BritBox and justifying it monthly to myself is that I have access to all classic Doctor Who at all times, and of course that uh, I can watch Jeremy Brett and Sherlock Holmes at any time I want. But um, <laughs> but as far as the first part of it, and it hasn't let me down. Most of the other times we we do a classic episode or serial uh, story, I can just dial it right up. So I went to dial up Moonbase and it's not there at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's don't know why. Because of the animation? Um, they that's, have other animated. Rights, they, they? Well, it could be. They have other animated uh, stuff on there. Like I think the one story that they do have, they only have one from this season, I think. Yeah, I don't even know if they have Underwater Menace. Wow, really? Yeah, I think the only one that they have from this season is Power of the Daleks. Oh, wow. And that had animation reconstruction of uh, of it. And uh, we haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. I don't, we haven't done that one, right? That's interesting. Well, I assume have it has something to do, do with rights. What, the Power of the Daleks? Yeah, have we done that one? Oh, yeah, because that's the regeneration story. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right, right. Yeah, right. we did okay, we, yes. we, the, we did that. I think that was like episode three of our Station Who. You know what? I might have even seen that one in the theater, actually. Because <laughs> didn't they release that in the theater? Yes, they did. Yeah, okay. All right, so <laughs> that seems to be the only one they've got in the of the fourth season at BritBox. For some reason, I don't know why. BritBox, you've let us down. They did. Ah. They let me down on this one. So so I had to get the, the, the DVDs, which I don't mind because, uh, you know, I've been working to get a collection of the fourth Doctor, the entire fourth Doctor. Of course, now that I finished that, they released them on Blu-ray. Damn it. Uh, and I also want um, every uh, like every second Doctor story. Uh, also that's available. So I've been collecting those. And so I don't, I don't, this was on my list to get at some point anyway. And one thing I do like about the DVDs is that I love the, the because they always have a behind the scenes special, like a, a, a look at it. So it always gives you pretty good context of when this, when the, these stories were made and, and who was involved and all that kind of stuff. So, and that's one thing you can't get on BritBox. So that's pretty awesome. You know, BritBox let you down, my friend. But they so did sorry. let me down. I mean, it's a good thing I looked uh, before it was too late because I, I I went to look this weekend and it wasn't there. And I'm like, oh, no. And, you know, Amazon Prime helped me out because they got it to me in a couple of days and I was able to watch it. That's cool. I'm glad they were able to do that. It was fun to watch. It moved fairly smoothly. It wasn't, you know, there were some parts I felt like they were padding. It could have been a three-parter easily. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there was a lot of running back and forth. But, that, but that's typical running down corridors. But yeah, that's typical Doctor Who, especially this era, you know, because, you know, you had the underwater menace where, you know, you had, you know, monsters attacking an underwater fort. And now you have the space station with the moon base being attacked by Cybermen. And so it's just like, yeah, 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 we get it. And I love the Cybermen's lace-up shoes, too. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, you know, they're cyber shoes. Exactly. 
They're cyber Nikes. No, they're moonwalkers. What, what, what did you think of? Actually, one of my favorite scenes with with Patrick is when he's going around collecting samples. Everybody. <laughs> that that is that is yes he was That's kind of a funny very there doctor thing to do <laughs> it is, yeah where he's like trying to untie some people's shoes and uh mm-hmm. stuff. yeah that was kind of funny i know it's it was funny and i loved when he took the guy's boot it was in the uh, the guy who ran the space station was just like what are you doing you know getting specimens uh it was just it was fun and it could have been more Patricky, but I enjoyed it. I love everything with the second doctor. And so it was fun just having his character do his thing and go through the process. And, you know, I didn't feel like you had the doctor being the bumbling idiot in this one that Patrick was so good at doing to make people underestimate him. But I did like, you know, I did like the interaction with him and the crew from the space station. It was interesting, too, because how quickly. And it's has it ever come out saying, you know, does the doctor put off like an aura or something to make people trust him? Because it happens all the time. That him and his I think companions. It's just, I think we're just led to believe that. I mean, obviously, it's story driven, but I think also he's just so confident. That a lot of people just oh that he knows what he's doing so yeah he's just like a natural he just charges in and like takes over and before you get a chance to go hey um, he's already done his thing you know he's already he's already trenched in (laughs) so so uh, yeah I think that's that's usually within the doctor's playbook I think no because I was I've always wondered about that and I didn't know if they ever said anything on the show or. In the no, I mean, I mean obviously, I in the later's in the in New Who, they've got the psychic paper that he's able he's able to use, and that instantly right. lets people know that, like, this is a guy that they need to you know take orders from, or they're comfortable taking orders from, um, whoever that may be in their head. That's what that's up to the psychic paper. But but in classic Who, it's just him going in and and winning them over. Oh yeah. Totally I mean, I'm not sure it's ever explicitly stated. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but I'm not sure it's ever stated in the series that, it, I mean, he's got some sort of natural charisma or something that everyone just just follows him. Yeah, or Gallifreyans do have psychic powers, so I don't know if that's something they put out or something. So, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> God, we've all went there. Yep. <laughs> I, but, I will say I'm not I Ben and Polly not my favorite companions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you there. But good old Polly came up with the solution to beat the Cybermen. Yes, yes, she did. And then Ben tried to basically took all the credit. Of course. <laughs> very patronizing and then said she couldn't come with them. Oh my god, when Ben was explaining the squirt bottle to her. It was like, and then you pump it, and the oxygen's pulled up, and it's just like, what? He well, sprayed I don't know if they'd seen a spray bottle before. They like, had them in 1966, dude. I, I, look, I thought, you know, I was surprised they didn't have bubble wrap before Doctor Who, you know, and that was a new thing for them. So, I don't know. I don't take any of this stuff for granted. <sighs> <laughs> Okay, fine. This is 2070, though. So obviously, they. I mean, I don't know when. Uh, yeah, Ben and Polly are from. They're from 1966, though, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because yes, we just saw their introduction not too long ago. But you know, if Ben knew about it, Polly knew about it. It was on the same time period. You know, and and speaking of that, because we did just see Ben and Polly their introduction in uh, what the War Machine is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and Ben didn't seem like a jerk there. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he was like a jerky moments. Well, sure. But, but, but not as bad as here. I right. Mean, right. But here. he seemed at least competent cause he's a Navy guy, right? Yes. Yes. He's a Navy guy. There's he's a... no, like, he doesn't seem like military at all. Like in this and in other things that I've seen. No, I don't not. 
I'm not sure they ever got a handle on his character. Or, or, or I'm not sure if that was actor driven or writer driven, but he just, I think, gets more and more jerky as he goes along. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, I made up a word. He's jerky. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, he's just, and plus he and Polly just don't, they just don't interact well together. Well, I don't think they last that much longer. I think they're only on a couple more stories. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're only in. Uh, uh, they're both in Macroterra. I can tell you that. Yeah, um, and uh, they're in uh, the one after that, Faceless Ones, and then they're gone. Well, they they leave in the Dalek story. That's, that that is that well, Faceless oh, One. Is that Faceless Ones? Uh, no, but Evil of the Daleks doesn't have them listed in the credits. Because I know when they um, introduce Victoria. Yeah, it does say that Victoria's in Evil of the Daleks, but. It doesn't say that uh, Ben and Polly are in Evil of the Daleks at all. Gotcha. All right. So they might, the faceless ones might be their last ones. But it's it's hard to tell because, I mean, these don't really exist in a way that we can watch them. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean. You know, who knows? A little unfair because we can't see all yeah. the episodes, You but. do get a preview of Macro Terror in this episode. Yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> you, get, you, get, you get to see a wonderful crab crab call. <laughs> It was yeah. like I saw it and it was just like, mm, crab legs. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So so just just keep on that image and remember that in a few months we're gonna see it animated. <laughs> we're gonna Woo! see we're gonna see that same image in animated form. That should be awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> now I've seen some of the animation from it and God, I hope it equals the goodness we saw at the end of this episode, you know? Well, I, I look, I think, I don't know what the timetable is on these, but I, I got to feel like this, stu- like, okay, so Planet 55 Studios was the one that did this one. Um, it's funny because the novelization of it isn't called Moonbase. It's called Doctor Who and the Cybermen. <laughs> It's like we don't want to be known as that. We don't want to reference that show, that episode that we're that we're adapting. But um, anyway, it lo- it says here that uh, that yeah, Planet Fifty Five Studios animate did the animation here. I I don't know. I think it's a different company that does them now, though. Better, worse. I think I think this the 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 ones that they've been doing lately are better. Um, I'm looking to see who does the one for Macroterra, and I don't see it easily available. So, oh wait, um, here we go. Animated construction of the serial produced by Sun and Moon Studios. Okay. So, uh, in both color and black and white. So, um, which I saw the color version. Um. But uh, so that Sun and Moon Studios is the one that's doing now. I think I think they're better. They've had, um, I think they were the ones that did. What was the last one we saw that was partly animated? Ooh. Was it Underwater Menace? Um, I can tell you that. Because I know we under- also, I also know we did the first Doctor story that was. The one with the uh, when they were in the French Revolution. Yeah, that one was that one was terrible. Yes, <laughs> I think that was the worst. Yeah, that, uh, was, that, that was the bad. worst one of the animated wise that I saw. But um, who did and and uh, Shada? Did Shada? Oh, it's Shada. I was just going to ask. I was going to say I think they're the one, same ones that did Shada recently as well. Um, and I don't know. I mean, that's something that I'll have to do some more research on, um, because I, I, I'm kind of interested now because it does make a difference. I mean, there's some of the, some of the companies that get to animate these are, are not too bad. And some of them are just plain horrible. Totally understand that. And I didn't think this one was bad. No, I enjoyed it. No, I didn't think this one was horrible. Yeah, I thought the the faces on them, especially since, as you said, Mary, it's kind of jarring going from one to the other and from one to the other. But I thought that the facial facial work that they did with almost all the cast uh, was was pretty good. Yeah, I mean they exaggerated expressions sometimes, but that's understandable. That 
it's kind of hard to judge how far to go in animation to get that idea across. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I would, I would say the animation was actually pretty good. Yep. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. And, you know, I was expecting a lot worse. I really was, you know, cause. Well, this is one of those, one of those ones where people before any of it was recovered, people would say how great it was. And then it was recovered and people saw it and they said, Oh no, it's awful. And really it's somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I, episodes. I think I'd already, I always heard bad things about it. Yeah, I had also, and I was expecting the worst. And truthfully, I only saw a couple strings when the spaceships were landing. It wasn't too, too bad. It reflected in the light. (laughs) The the little uh, paper plates? Yes. I mean, I actually thought for for the time period, they they did an okay job with the models and the sets. No, I mean, it's it's a reflection of its time, yes. But it was okay. I mean, it didn't really detract. I mean, the plot is the thing that detracted. (laughs) Yeah. So I hope, you know, people can come back to this and look at it and say, this was what it was for 1967. So it was early, early, early Cybermen. Cybermen become really scary, though, with the next storyline that they do. Uh, Tomb of the Cybermen is my favorite Cybermen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And, you know, this, this one actually, you know, if you had to say a recurring villain that for the second doctor, it has to be the Cyberman mostly. Oh yeah. Cause you know, you had this, the moon base, you had then uh tomb of the Cybermen and then you had invasion. Yeah, he, he, there's a lot of Cybermen with the second doctor. Yes. But then they go away till Tom Baker's era. So, so. That first one with them. Actually, that's the only one with him, right? Yes. Is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, I do not like that. Like, that one is a, the, um, I think that's the Tom's third story. And uh, I don't know. It just, to me, just doesn't, doesn't doesn't work which is weird because that first couple seasons of tom i think are amazing but that's one where i just was disappointed uh it's not until they come back later uh in the fifth doctor that i i I appreciate them again because they kill off edric yes that alone (laughs) that alone gives them a good pat on the back that makes it my favorite doctor who villain Yep, exactly. So it should be interesting. You know, the Cybermen have an interesting history, and each time you saw them, they evolved a little bit, you know, the look and feel. Because the first time we saw them was the cloth ones, and then you had them here looking a little more metallic and robot-y, and then even more so with the Tomb of the Cybermen. You even had that one cyber leader for the first time with the brain in it. Hmm. And then when you got to Invasion, that's when you started having them with the cones on the sides of their heads and such. I do like Invasion, too. Oh, Invasion's awesome. Because that's where you first get, you know, the true first unit story. Because you had them in the, with the Yeti, but this is the Invasion one feels truly the prototype for the Third Doctor's era. So, it's pretty cool. So we had a lot of fun with this one. Any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate it? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've I think we've exhausted about everything we can with it. Yeah, good point. What the writers learned in this episode was wake up Janie. He's more interesting as a companion. Yes, exactly. Not him just seeing the spirit of death all the time. The Piper! The Phantom Piper! The Phantom Piper! The Phantom Piper! You're no Phantom Piper! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All no, right. No, he, no, no, he's confusing bagpipes with an accordion. Oh, yeah, true. They were being invaded by Weird Al. It was perfect. <laughs> the Phantom Accordion. <laughs> so let's that? go ahead and rate this one. One out of five Tardises, one being the worst, five being the best. Mary, go ahead. 
Oh boy. I, I think I'll give it a three. Maybe, you know, no, I'll give it a, I'll even give it a 3.5 because as ridiculous as the plot is, it, it's actually a lot of fun to watch. And um, the, the acting's good. The, the sets are fine. The, the doctor's a little in the background, but he's still, Dr. Troughton's my favorite classic doctor. And I love, I love to watch him no matter what he's in. Uh, ben and Polly are annoying. Um, but, but overall, you know, it, it's a pretty fun episode to watch. So 3.5. Okay. Mikey. I'm going to just give this a, a flat three. Um, I could go lower, but you know, it is a second doctor story and, and, and it, I mean, Patrick is still, even though he's not in at full Patrick mode, um, he's, there's still, he's still there and he's still a great one and a great doctor for me uh, to watch. And, um, yeah, everything. And it's a Cyberman story, as 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 dumb as it is. Uh, look, if we started like attacking like uh, all the bad guys uh, on Doctor Who for really really bad like plots and and schemes, then nobody would ever like one of the classic Master stories. No, I, yeah, I was just gonna say you can never watch a Master story. <laughs> so so I can't I can't knock the Cybermen for that alone. So I'm just gonna give this a a solid three. I can't hardly recommend it, but it it. I'm glad I saw it. I don't think I'll rewatch it much. No, I don't think so. It, you know, if I'm ever bored on a Saturday afternoon, you know, I'll mop the floor or something, you know. If they find the other two episodes, I will watch this again. Yeah, actually, it would be really interesting to, to see it in, in its entirety, the way it was shot, because... Though I don't think the animation is bad. I think it does kind of detract from the performances. I could see that. I truly could see that. All right. For me, I'm going to give this one, I'll go in the middle. I'll give it three and a quarter. And I liked it a lot from, you know, plot wise, you know, the ending was ridiculous oh let's just float them into space these are spaceships of course they're gonna you know basically then wouldn't they be able to oh no we're being floated off into gravity what you know would they just be flying into the you know this how that they did with the other rocket how it got pulled into the gravity of the sun and not that they didn't have engines or something to fight against that you know just saying uh but you know the ending was kind of lame but I enjoyed it overall and I love Patrick. I think he, he still is one of my favorites. He was like more subdued in this one, but I still enjoyed it. And it was great to watch one I've never seen before. We definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at eswpodcast at gmail.com. You know, let us know what you think, what you thought of this one and, you know, did it work? Did it not work? You know, definitely let us know. I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Mikey, thank you as always. As always, it's my pleasure. Oh, and I have to point out, just because uh, we mentioned something at the top of the show, talking about uh, Doctor Who, 13th Doctor, books and comics. There are novels with the featuring the 13th Doctor. I believe that there are four that have been released. Um, so, yeah, look for those. Uh, I don't know anything more about them other than that there are actually four novels out there. Awesome. And they can be found up on Amazon. So you could definitely check it out. And Mary, thank you as always. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun talking about this episode. Anything you want to shout out about, about your website and such? Oh, well, you can, you can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy under eVision Arts. Excellent. 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 And we will be back again once again in two weeks. And we are going to have another discussion and the discussion this time out is going to be, does Doctor Who really need monsters in the story? We had been talking about that the last few weeks on some of the stories that we reviewed, stuff like Vincent and the Doctor or the, you know, the one with the 13th Doctor, what the demons of Punjab. And so it'll be interesting to get into that discussion because there are like historical stories that could be just pure historical. You don't even need science fiction in it. And it'd be kind of cool to have the doctor and her crew or the past doctors, you know, deal with that. I think it'd be kind of cool to see, you know, that happen. So until then, my name is Mike Faber and we'll see you here next time on your station who podcast peace. And we're done. Boom. Mm -hmm.
He says. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.